podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. To the man who invented zero, thanks for nothing. (laughs) (laughs) He he enjoyed that one. (laughs) There was a big old grin on Nate's face for that one. Also, the punchline can't be the score as well. You know, that's that wouldn't be that wouldn't be fair. Zero can't be the score for this joke. So, no, no, you did no, laugh. no, no, you no, laughed, no. That you, would, you that laughed would, more than zero out of ten. Yeah, that would be deeply unfair. I think you've got um, you were helped there, Nate, by the fact that I was laughing before we'd even started this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, I think, so, so I think you benefited slightly from that, but that's okay because it's the end of the year podcast and your final joke of the year, and so maybe that will gain you a little bit extra as well. Oh, maybe interesting. Oh, but this isn't too sure. I'm no, gonna give I'm that. Quite, I'm intrigued. A seven point nine. I'll take it. That's good. So I thought it was strong, but obviously not too strong. Yeah. Strongish. <laughs> Strongish. <laughs> strong yeah. to quite strong. Mild. So if this was a Nando's, it would have that like medium flag in it. No, it'd be lemon yeah. and herb. I think if it was. Come on, that was that was lemon, lemon and herby, wasn't it? it was probably lemon and herby. Well, on that note, I mean, that is quite insulting to a, to a Brit to say that your joke was lemon and herb and not medium. Quite upset with that. I can't see 7.9 being lemon and herb. Come on. What sort of scale is this? I mean, then what's a five? Then no flavour. You just don't get any chicken with that. You don't get anything. You just get an empty plate. And like a two is when the restaurant's full, so you have to go somewhere else. Yeah. The You're restaurant, right. everyone's, got, everyone's got food poisoning from the restaurant. I didn't consider this new Nando scale. I didn't. I didn't consider it enough. I'll put further thought into it for the new year. Don't worry. Welcome to the Padhawk, a podcast featuring stories following Formula One around the world. I'm Lawrence Bretto, F1 correspondent and presenter. And I'm Chris Medland, F1 correspondent at Racer. And I'm Nate Saunders, general editor at ESPN. At ease, soldiers. I thought you'd forgotten what your job yeah. title was. No, 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 I'm just I'm keeping it fresh. Keeping it fresh, lads. Come on. How are you guys? Your beard's got quite long, Nate. Well, since you saw me yesterday, Lawrence. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, like, I wanted to ask about yesterday. And there you are being like, oh, I'll pretend Lawrence I haven't like, seen It's him. lovely to see you. Yeah, Lawrence came to see me in Reading. It was lovely. We had some beers. Well, actually, I had beers. Lawrence was very sophisticated and had some neat whiskeys, which was, yeah, which was good. Oh, it's very good. Whiskey. We put the world neat. to rights. We had a great burger. We did, as opposed to messy whiskeys or scruffy whiskeys. <laughs> he had neat ones. Um, and I just had, so Laz would have this tiny, like, little bit of whiskey, and I'd just always be getting this massive beer. So Lawrence would like drink it in two like two swigs, and then there I am for like another twenty minutes just with a beer. Very patient man. I mean, it's probably very, very good that he man. didn't go one for one with you on that. Yeah, exactly. I think yeah, that's that true. could get messy. A pint of whiskey for every <laughs> pint of. Beer. Oh yeah, well yeah, you wouldn't. No. We wouldn't be doing this pod, would we today? Well, me and Meadows would be doing <laughs> eulogy to you. <laughs> but he was, he was a great. <laughs> he was a fine. Jeez, man. I hope your eulogy isn't going to. No, be No, I'm saying we would have been. I'm, I'm glad we're not. Just to clarify <laughs> to our listeners. Oh, uh, but it is. We're gonna, we'll do a special edition. Oh, will you? Yeah, oh, wow. Yeah. Any one of the three of us. Um, you mentioned <laughs> a burger, though. It's where it came. 
Elaborate. Running. <laughs> well, Nate achieved uh, quite a rare feat in that he found a burger place where the burger was very enjoyable. Often people want to try and find a burger joint for me and they say, oh, it's really good. And I go there and it isn't good. But this burger was very, very, very good. <clears throat> there you go. I, I, I really enjoyed Nate it. Nate Saunders recommends you a burger. He's not He's not lying. <laughs> Even though I hadn't listen. been there before. <laughs> yeah. I'd been told it was good. <laughs> so I just kind of guessed it was going to be good. Well, actually, I didn't tell you yesterday because I thought it was. It might were in the mood. I had two recommendations or two reviews from that place. One was it's the best burger I've ever had. Okay. Another friend told me him, him and his wife went there and they got violent food poisoning and were <laughs> ill for about three weeks. Are you joking so, so, me? No, but that was when it first you... opened. It's like you know, but it's been it's been better since. I asked, I got the chronology right, so I made sure no, the burger review was the most. You took me to somewhere where someone got yeah, food but poisoning. I wanted to see if it was right as well. <laughs> I, it was it was it was, a, it was a Russian roulette. It was a Russian roulette game. You know, we were doing that thing where we were shooting the gun, and luckily, instead of it being food poisoning in the barrel, it was just a delicious burger with a side of mac and cheese. <laughs> I just, <laughs> but no, it's been open for a year. I'm not going to name and shame I the place. That. Yeah, you know. Would you, you I, wouldn't have gone, would you, Laz, if, if I told you that? No. I told no, you that no. <laughs> the options were delicious burger and no food poisoning or horrible burger and violent Christmas altering <laughs> food poisoning. Um, no, it's been it's been much better. I, it closed down for a little bit and then it opened again with a new owner who was anti-food poisoning, I think. Good, that was his good, manifesto. Good. And I elected it. I, I voted for that. I was like, I'm pro not dying at a restaurant. So that's how we do things in Reading. You elect your restaurant, your restaurateurs, um, <laughs> and it's a very, it's a very, very tricky and much maligned democracy over here. But the byproduct is great burgers. So thoughts? Wow. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so yeah, F one podcast chat. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, well, I do want to just before we actually even risk talking F one stuff, let the listeners know that Bretto is so pleased with the place you took him to yesterday i mean now he's crushed but he was so pleased with it that he's drinking out of a burger mug today i am oh yeah that's true here we go that's quite a good mug this is a mug with a burger printed on it for those who can't obviously see this podcast being recorded uh yesterday i recorded a podcast with medland for motorsport magazine and i had my pad hog mug he did uh, yeah ambush Mm. marketing (laughs) (laughs) My is currently is currently in the dishwasher because I'm too lazy to do to do dishwashers myself. Is it you're too lazy to turn the dishwasher on, mate? No, no, the dishwasher's on. I'm just not going to wash it oh. myself. What do you think I am? <laughs> like, come on. Wow, I've I've learned so much about you, Nate, in the last couple of minutes. You take <laughs> yeah, me to I'm a liar. I'm I might get food poisoning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, both those things you should have known anyway. But you know. That's on you more than me. Um, well, the good thing is, yeah. I'm alive. You're alive. Medders is, is alive, although there was no risk there. Although Medders did go and get his hair cut yesterday, and he tried something new. He went rogue, and it was. What do you mean try something Medis, new? Wasn't it? It, Your wasn't, hair looks it wasn't particularly rogue. Well, pretty much, yeah. They didn't go too far from it, but it's it's you know the little thing that everyone calls a fade. There's. Oh, there's never fade. <laughs> you sound so young. You sound exactly, so young yeah. now, Medders. <laughs> Exactly. Well, it's also way too late to, you know, it's it's catch up. Everyone's moved on to something else by now. But um, yeah, I was I was recommended I should try that, and it's a very very subtle one, but it it didn't ruin my relationship. So um, I call that a success. Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah. 
Yeah. I, I had a fade last time I went. Yeah. All over. <laughs> All over <laughs> fade. Strong. <laughs> easy joke to make. Too easy. O- open goal. Um, okay. Well, not an easy goal. If Harry Kane had had that joke in front of him. Uh, oh, let's just... He would let's have talk it. F1. Let's definitely yeah, that's a good F1. segue, isn't it? Yeah. We don't talk about that. No. That moment. Well, we've made it to the end of the season, chaps. You both look very well. What was... <laughs> No, there was nothing funny about that. Just you sounded very insincere, but no, that's fine. Yeah. I, I feel well. <laughs> you both look very well, don't yeah. you? <laughs> Jeez. Okay. Um, I was just going to ask you, what was your highlight of the year? Probably the burger chat about five minutes ago. <laughs> uh, you know, as good as that was, but as I'm sure you can do better. Um, what was the highlight of the year? Wow! Well, come on, this was a great a good... year question well surely yeah, i know like i can pick surely. i can pick medis uh, i can pick i can pick nate's highlight for the year go on, go on it was when he was on espn yeah TV that was gonna be it in america um on, i woke up put the twice. television on and nate's face was on the television nate take it away this face yeah that was in miami um on marty and mcgee uh which is a really cool show uh, those two guys do a lot of college football, but they were in Miami. Um, I met um, uh, Ryan McGee at Indy in 2017. Good dude. And he was like, you've got to come on the show. And I was like, absolutely. It was now at 7 a.m. And yeah, just was talking nonsense about Formula One. for. Um, I was only meant to be on for one segment. And they were like, stay for a second, which can only be a good thing. Um, and yeah, it was good fun. And I like the way that um, Americans kind of, a lot of TV over there, I like there's a bit of a more relaxed nature to a lot of shows, I think. Well, not even relaxed, but they just have a bit more fun with sports. I think British British punditry sometimes can be a bit stuffy, you know, and a bit too serious. So I enjoyed that. That's very much in my wheelhouse. Um, so, yeah, that was a great highlight. Miami was just great. I really enjoyed that weekend. Um, in fact, all the, all the North American ones were great. Miami, Austin, Canada was good fun as well. Um, although there was no lagoon race, you know, that lagoon race thing they did once. There was not none of that, once, which I was sad about. Loads of times, I commented yeah. on it once. Wow, that's probably what, that was the yeah. death knell. That's what they say. <laughs> the Medland, <laughs> the, the Medland year, the year it Medland might ended. Well have been the last I think that was the last one. Canada yeah, Lake yeah. Lake race that was ended by substandard. No, I'm not gonna come on. That's that's how I should matters. But yeah, so that was mine. What about you guys? What would yours be? Oh, Medus has got so many that he can't pick one. Medes, I'm just going to say, if you pick out a karting race, I'm going to log off of this chat. <laughs> you two can finish the pod yourself because that can't be the highlight of your I year. I wasn't going to. It's got um, this is going to be an F1 related highlight, right? As in at, at or around a Grand Prix weekend. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Um, yeah, like a personal highlight. Yeah, that's a bit. This kind. My personal highlight was probably you meeting Zach Brown on the grid in uh, in Spa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it was a Zamvor. 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 Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. There's a good picture of that. Um, of of that actually. Um. Yeah, but that was that was that was actually I wouldn't say highlight. It was a memorable moment of going to talk to Zach after he was upset about something. Um, <laughs> but we're on good terms now, you know. Um, and yeah, Manager, you were just stood next to it, weren't you? Like looking at me and looking at him, and uh, yeah, just laughing. Yeah, taking photos. It was it was Zandvoort. Yeah, that's right. It was because it was the first race I did after summer break. So yeah, but you've made up now, fun. haven't you? You've made up. We have, yeah. Your friends. Yeah, yeah. We're good friends. Uh, I'm talking to Zach later this week, actually. For an interview, so that's good. Oh, um, good plug. I, we can read that I enjoyed, on ESPN.com, I assume. At some point, yeah. Um, and, and on our podcast, Unlapped, a little plug there 
for other work. Nice. Um, also, I would say um, stuff that Red Bull have done a few times this year now, and Chris came to the most recent one, was um, Red Bull have done two kind of off-record lunches with Christian Horner. One in, I think it was Silverstone or Hungary. No, I think it was Hungary because it was boiling Hungary hot up on their else. roof. Yeah. And then more recently at the Royal Automobile Club last week, um, which was great fun uh, on Friday last week. Um, and actually, it's one of the things, it's one of the parts of the job, isn't it, that people don't kind of appreciate that we do. And I think it's always why people like us, to blow our own trumpets here, probably have more authority on a lot of F1 issues than just your random people posting on Reddit their theories because we can actually sit next to Horner at an event like that and ask him questions straight off the bat. And even if he's giving you an answer you can't report, it educates you for further down the line. Um, and I find Christian quite interesting. You know, I know he's kind of a pantomime villain to a lot of people. And I wouldn't, like a lot of people in F1, I wouldn't trust everything anybody tells you because everyone's got an agenda. Um, but quite an interesting guy. You know, the stuff he knows and the stories he has, he's pretty funny in his own way. <laughs> um, and yeah, I thought those were great. So I wish teams did more of those things, really. Same. That's basically our plea at the end of the season. More <laughs> free lunches, please. Just to get the uh, get the F1, yeah. or get the journalist cliche in there. But no, I do agree, actually. It was good. Um, and there were crackers. And a portrait of someone who looked like Franz Tost. Yeah, that was Franz great. Um, I'm just trying to think of my highlight, really. Like, there has been a lot going on this season, but actual highlights are kind of... <laughs> I know oh, he's really struggling. struggling. Well, while you continue, God, Mattis, think, what sort of year you th- do you think you've had? <laughs> did, you go to, did you go to space or something, or SpaceX with Elon? Well, it's like if things like so, the Vegas launch event was kind of cool to go to, but that actually was really difficult in the sense of just did so much work, and because you're in Vegas, you're you're really resenting the work because you want to go and have fun, and then managed to have um, a weekend, so Saturday and part of Sunday before flying that did get to go to enjoy a bit of Vegas and then got really ill in Melbourne. So I now dislike that whole trip because that it made me ill. So yeah, even even what should have been the highlights got tainted. So I'll keep thinking because I think Bretta has one. Oh, well, mine was going to be when I got to drive around Vegas in an old American car right before the start of the season um, mm. as part of the launch video for when we announced that Vegas was coming back. Um, it was like a proper shoot. I did it with Nicole Briscoe from ESPN. Uh, I got to mimic one of those scenes in Ocean's Eleven, I think it is, when they're by the Bellagio fountains, um, nice. which was cool. Um, so that was definitely a highlight. What a way to start the year. And then my second favourite thing was when I did a feature at Daniel Ricardo in Singapore, when we did... Um, uh, kind of like fitness or how to keep cool in humid conditions and it was as simple as we made a, a three minute segment out of me essentially get one of those leaf blowers and just like blowing his baseball cap off his head like it was just <laughs> a lot of silliness it was just a lot of fun but also I kind of felt told a story about the kind of things that um, drivers go through in humid conditions so that was a real nice kind of turn of pace from the sit down interviews that I normally do that made it onto F1's like funniest moments video on YouTube the other day that I watched, um, which was an okay comp- compilation, but I felt like there must have been more that didn't make it onto that. And it just kind of cut through each one. Like there was no context. It was just quickly hopping from different things all over the shop. So some of them were good and some of them were like, meh. But um, yeah, it, that that's on there. And that was a good moment. So you can have that one. Oh, thanks, as, as it was when you complained that Buxton trod on your shoes in Abu Dhabi because you were like, my shoes. <laughs> uh, 
So there was that. As well. I mean, I that was Ellie... that was pretty bad. Like they were. What new happened shoes. there in Bahrain? I think I missed that. He's Abby you Abby. got trod on by well, they were, Buxton. They were new shoes, and he dirtied my shoes. <laughs> well, but he, what? So wait a minute. He just he sought you out and he stood on you. Or it was a mistake. What happened? I think we, we were preparing to shoot, or maybe we were even shooting, and uh, he trod on my shoe. They're all lined oh. up in front of the camera, and uh, yeah, sidestep onto his shoe. Terrible. Wow. I think I've got one for highlight. Ooh, way. But it, it, way. it mixes a couple of things. Where So it's in the summer break. And it was when I was in Chicago at the start of the summer break. And it was actually all the Piastri stuff kicking off. And speaking to basically the bosses on both sides of the teams on like long phone calls from the other side of the world. What should have been the summer break. I took one of the calls on a rooftop bar. Um like quite late in the evening as well, um, overlooking the river that runs through Chicago and it was very cool. And then I took another one in Wrigley Field, like under the bleachers um, before a baseball game. And I remember thinking with the second one, I was like, this is ridiculous. Like, I think that was the first time I kind of hit that sort of, dare I say it, level where you're speaking directly to like team bosses or team principals or whatever and getting both sides of a story and insight. And it kind of doesn't matter where in the world you are. And you're just, yeah, there's people just walking around who have no idea. And they might be huge F1 fans, but obviously they wouldn't know who I was, but they have no idea who's on the other end of the phone as well and what's going on like right next to them. Um, and I thought that was kind of cool. So, yeah, I think that would be that would be my highlight, even though it was interrupting the summer break, but I'll allow it. Yeah, I had similar with, um, I spoke to Zach during the summer break. No, during, it was, uh, when was it? It, it was... Oh, it was before Austin. It was the week before Austin. And I was at Yankee Stadium. And Zach was like, can you please call, call me? Because we were chatting about budget cap stuff. And he'd just written that letter that had been published. So I was like, oh, I'd like to clarify something with you. He was like, call me in five minutes. But Aaron Judge was just walking up to the plate. And I was like, oh, give me give me 10 minutes. <laughs> you <laughs> so I, was like, I was like, I don't want to. Well, because I was like, I was like, well, I don't want to miss Aaron Judge, like, you know, hitting one out. He didn't. He struck out. Um, he didn't hit. He didn't hit all game. But then I went into like, into a stairwell and was speaking to Zach and he was like oh are you okay and I was like yeah I'm at the Yankees game and I was like sorry Aaron Judge was just on he was like oh cool um, so yeah I can I can relate to that yeah I think work highlights would have to just be like running around on the grid interviewing people um, or post race yeah. like you get a real buzz from some of those so um, who's the um? what's the best or the coolest like non-F1 driver interview you did this year both of you because you guys well maybe more medders because you do yeah travel, I like, didn't do any non-athletes and stuff I think uh, I might have to go with Patrick Dempsey at Monaco on the grid. He was that's, really that's good. Cool. He was really yeah. chatty, really nice. Um, like very um, kind of, I don't know, just he was in a good mood. He was obviously excited on the grid in Monaco. It wasn't one of those where it's like, oh, another interview or I just give you a quick answer. He was like really engaging, which was good. Uh, and he's a was, racer as well, isn't he? So yeah. He, yeah. Yeah. He gets it. As was Liam Cunningham. He was really good. Um who was at, also in Monaco, like in the pit lane afterwards as I was walking back. I was like, I just grabbed him and he was absolutely buzzing because it just started raining. And that was one of those where I think like every F1 fan was just sun- suddenly so excited by the prospect of a wet Monaco Grand Prix and the timing of the rain coming down. Uh, and he mm. was even more excited than I was. So that was cool. Uh, or, Nate, one I shared with you in Miami. Yeah, I was going to say that the Watts was pretty damn cool. Um, we did speak about it on here, didn't we? But yeah, we spoke to TJ and JJ Watt who are both two enormous human beings, and especially when you sat them next to me in Medland. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it was funny because they, they'd agreed that it had been set up by a friend at Haas, Stumo, Stuart Morrison, 
Um, and their food kind of came halfway through the interview, didn't it? So they were eating pasta. Um, and they were really friendly. Like, they were really polite. They could have just told us, hey, look, we want to eat and stuff. And we probably spoke to them longer than they wanted to. And then I left my Buccaneers cap on the table <laughs> right in front of them. By mistake as well. I walked out and I was like, oh, you know, a few expletives. And Stuart was like, you're an idiot. So I ran back in. I was like, guys, I'm so sorry. I left this. And he was like, oh, like I think JJ like grabbed it and was like, oh, yeah, I was going to throw this out. And I was like, ha, yeah, please. Please, please don't though. <laughs> because I was like, "Well, if he wants to, I'm not going to, I'm going to stop the man." Um, but yeah, they were, they were, they were, they were pretty cool. Um, and I liked that interview as well because they were so kind of, they were just so enthusiastic about everything going on, and you don't expect that. You know, with athletes, you think, "Oh, they won't be phased by anything really," because you know the level they play at. But they were just like, "This is the coolest thing ever." So it was pretty interesting. Yeah, they were, and because they were Haas fans, and they were huge. Steiner fans and they had their own fancy setup, didn't they? Their own like F1 fancy game they've created, and you yeah. see they really got into it, which was very very cool. Although <clears throat> TJ did sort of slip down on that list, it would have been top, but um, he sacked Sam Darnold a couple of times, I think, on Sunday, um, and I, I had to watch that as the Panthers got beat uh, on Mate. Sunday nights, well Sunday afternoon. So um, my love for him sort of slightly diminished. When I saw him celebrating, like stopping the Panthers going top of the division. Anyway, moving on. Good. I mean, if 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 you're going to relegate people down your list of people that have sacked Sam Darnold, there's not going to be many people <laughs> high on your list who are defensive players in the NFL. Um, very true. But yeah, very very true. And as a flip side to that, have you had any really awkward interviews with people who just weren't like who were some of the worst ones there? Oh yeah, Lance Stroll in Austin, walking back to his car from after the national anthem on the grid and it was just like trying to get blood from a stone he's so dreadful bad. like that isn't he sometimes he's just it was... I, I sometimes tell people i'm like lance stroll talks about formula one with the enthusiasm of someone who's explaining how to fill out a tax return to you it's like dude <laughs> you're doing probably one of the coolest jobs on earth and if you've ever seen interviews of so there's interviews of like neil armstrong when he comes back from the moon and Neil Armstrong was just this very stoic very but you know he but he gave these very long-winded and boring answers but they were at least interesting long answers they were just very very dull you know he wasn't really that exciting stroll is like the opposite to that in that his answers are very very boring and they're usually very short and they don't really give you any, any information so he's really frustrating to talk to especially if you're recording it for a you know pre-race show you want to get that buzz don't you oh yeah big time that's like it always feels like a risk going up to any driver pre-race because they're trying to get in the zone and stuff um and even like the nicest drivers like uh, ricardo blanked me and abu dhabi like it was set up to do one, um, and I spoke to his trainer. We had it all lined up, and just as I went to start, um, I was halfway through the first question as he was about to like walk up to me. Um, as I then turned to walk with him, Sky Italia had just appeared and just smashed me out of the way, like um, wow. straight in with a microphone and had already asked a question. And even even Daniel kind of like looked at me and them, like, "What's just happened? Like, who am I?" And then just kind of had to go with it. Um, so then it was lined up that I'd get him when he came off the national anthem as well. But by then he was wanting to get in the zone and put his headphones on and he politely declined. And that's kind of fine. I'm like, you know, for any driver, um, if they're like, no. And that's the thing with the, the Lance one. He was kind of like, yeah, you know, sure. He kind of like um, accepted when I kind of gestures, like you want to ask you a question. He was like, yeah, all right. But then just gave nothing in return. Um, but I've had some good ones at that sort of time. Like um, Carlos, uh, I can't remember which race it was. It might even have been in Spain at his home race. Um, he was really good. Uh, on the grid and th there's certain drivers where you just try and check in advance that they're going to be okay with it and that you can approach them uh and they're they're normally fairly chatty um 
but the the better ones are normally post race if you can get someone and they've had a a big race like i remember magnuson in uh austin like just gushing about Vettel and the fight he'd had he was still full of adrenaline talking about it it was great um uh seven baku and daniel and baku when they both had good races they were really good and chatty as well then so you do get some some really nice ones around those times and i think it's better that way beforehand they're trying to get pumped up and focused and they've got a job to do afterwards it's just kind of like the release of all that emotion it's a better time i think to speak to them all I was going to say is that sometimes, and, and I'm not knocking the job at all of pre-race uh, interviews, but they very rarely offer that much for that exact reason because these drivers have got all these strategies in their head. Even though they say, I don't approach turn one any differently, you know they do, like every race, they're like, I need to do this at the start. Like I need to block this guy out. Or, I, you know, if I can get across here, that's my best start, you know? So, um, yeah, you do know, you notice it, don't you, a lot? Like it would be like if, if, you, if you interviewed them like a minute before qualifying, they'd be like, well, I don't know, you know, I've <laughs> got nothing to say yeah true like that's where it's like yeah vips on the grid or team bosses are maybe a bit better to go to team bosses especially because they might have an idea in mind or they've got a you know there's other things that have happened that aren't necessarily related to the race that you want to talk about so um those can be quite cool as well but um yeah it's also it also just depends on someone's mood or the time Mm -hmm. you grab them because you might get them when they've got all the time in the world and they'll be great and chatty uh i seem to remember having a long chat with magnuson on the grid in imola before the probably before the grand prix itself um and yeah he was you know just stood there he had a load of time to kill so he was like more than happy to talk and there's other times yeah you get people and they're kind of like no no not now i've got or they've got a million cameras trying to get to them like seb in abu dhabi where it was just impossible to try and speak to him so um yeah although another highlight of the year was probably uh watching seb's party on sunday night like moving around the paddock in abu dhabi as well when Bretta and i got blanked for a photo <laughs> He just found someone more important to talk to, didn't he? <clears throat> he did, yeah. Far more important. Which is completely acceptable. Um, just very quickly, do you guys have an on-track moment or highlight? Um, well, I didn't actually race this year, so... <laughs> no, oh. I'm joking. That, uh, was ter- that hey. genuinely was terrible, day. It was. Even, even for me, that was pretty <laughs> bad. Um, I would say that... Um, I always remember have a bit more of a fond memory for races I was actually at rather than ones watching on TV, just because you get that, you know, the, mm. the buzz and, you know, you can react to journalists there. I thought about the last 15 laps of Silverstone mm-hmm. was some of the best mm. like F1 has been for a long, long time. You know, you had the crowd just going every time Lewis did anything, the crowd was going nuts, but you had like, you had the Ferraris swapping positions. You obviously had Max had dropped out down the order, which kind of opened it all up. And there was, I mean, it was after, I can't, I forget the exact timing of it. But there was that lap where the fight for second changed about six times, yeah. six or seven times. You, know, you had Perez, Lewis. It was that through goes Hamilton moment from Crofty, which is a great moment if you watch it back on TV. But the funny thing was, Lewis then loses that position at the next corner, and then loses another position at the next corner. So it was just, it was, it was really great, and it was the kind of racing that you know you dream of seeing every race. So that was mine, I would say. I think uh, it was Brazil for me. I think multiple moments. It was either Kevin getting that pole i think it was that battle between george and max uh which mm. i thought was pretty cool um i just thought that whole weekend brazil has had two successive years now where the whole weekend has been pretty mega yeah. uh like you get even though people are tired towards the end of the season there was a real buzz around that whole weekend helps of course by that shock pole uh for kevin but i just think that that track is just the perfect Grand Prix track isn't it for formula one racing so yeah that was my highlight I think I'd have to agree with you on Brazil. I thought that was mega. Um, there was some great racing at the start of the year too between Charles and Max, like both Bahrain and Saudi, just having 
having fights that weren't one move and it was done and that the other car could come back and that you genuinely felt like they both had time as well to try and suss up different ways of trying to overtake each other or how to play it. Bahrain was a little bit more obvious. Like Saudi, there was some tactical stuff going on about who wanted to have DRS into the last corner or whatever and they were slowing down and speeding up and all of that. But that showed how closely matched they were. They were really trying to find a way of um, really outdoing the other rather than just once I get past, I'm gone, I'm in the quicker car. So that was really, I think because that was at the start of the year as well and that made it promise to be a great season and sadly it didn't quite play out that way. Um, but that was why I really enjoyed those races, I think. Um, so, yeah, but I, I think I struggled to go other than other than uh, into Lagos because it was just, there was so much to it and it was every day seemed to have a great storyline in it with all those, yeah, all those teammate kind of rows as well. But Yeah, that's true. Uh, to, as, as, as you say, Lawrence, to have a race like that that was so in, enjoyable, really, and like enthralling despite championships all being done is a, is pretty impressive i think it's there's normally you watch a race like that and you're like oh imagine if this was for the title um and of course that would have upped the ante even more but that's so rare we were so lucky in 21 that we had so many fights like that but um yeah i think probably interlagos would just about have to take it although austin was a great race as well um the way that kind of played out but um it wasn't really much of a shock was it so yeah i'll go i'll go to interlagos as well i'll join you Awesome. Two to one mm. into Lago for Silverstone. I mean, it was wow. good. Oh, Silverstone still was mega as well. Though, yeah, Silverstone well, was. The whole event, because if you think of what happened to Joe at the start, for him to climb out yeah. unscathed and stuff like that. Um, but uh, yeah, those final... And the fact that we talk about those final 15 laps, basically, on is, is the main thing that people remember. Great racing is what people remember from a race where a car flipped over a barrier and, and we were really worried about the driver inside. Um, you'd have thought that the like everlasting image from that race was always going to be Joe upside down. And arguably it's not, it's uh, Hamilton going past Perez and the clerk at the penultimate corner. Like that's, um, that shows that the racing was that good. Now, just Ooh. before we wrap up this podcast, we've got a special segment that we're introducing right at the end of the year. Um, it's the same segment that we've run, but with a tweak. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's, Completely the same in name and in but, length. But it is different, though. It is, yeah. It's no longer about a race, per se. I know I've just really confused you both, but I've just remembered, before that segment, there was a message we got on Twitter that I said I would ask everyone on the show. Go. And okay. Bretta, you were meant to remind me, because I said, don't let me forget this. Um, but yeah, I'm just com I'm completely uh, interrupting the special final segment because uh, otherwise we'll totally forget this. And I had to find it at the same this, time. Just people listening, this isn't this way. isn't the new form, so you know. This no, isn't no, 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 no. The special. That was segment. just a teaser. That's a teaser for us to come back to. What's the question? Um, it's a, a long message from Panny at the Disco. Um, it says, hello, Padhock gents. Huge fan of the show. I seem to have learned more about Lawrence's shoes and Chris's punctuality than F1, so I can't quite figure out why I listen. But nonetheless, it's probably my favourite F1 podcast. I wanted to inquire about the current status of two of your hype trains. One of them, the Yuki Sonoda hype train, oh, no. which went into full overdrive as of Bahrain 21. Truthfully, <clears throat> I thought of asking you after Canada this year where he ice skated out of the pit exit and straight into the wall. But now I'm in it as more of a good faith and genuinely curious question about how you think he's done this year albeit in a much worse car than last year, and what you think he will do or needs to do next year. Nate. Well, 
It was quite nice, actually, because this year we found out that Yuki Tsunoda is part of the RMT union in the UK because he's been on strike for a long, long time. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, dear, um, dear, yeah, I mean, look, Yuki is obviously massively talented, but I think, I don't know, it just he doesn't seem... You can't you can't admit to the media that you spend all your time eating Uber Eats and not training, like, and expected to be taken seriously. You know, I think if if you're a rookie, you can get away with that. But he made that joke this year, didn't he? And it's likable; it makes him endearing. But like, if you're a Formula One boss, you're like this guy, you know. So I think with Gasly gone, he's got a big year to prove himself. Otherwise, he's gone. Um, I hope he stays. I like him. I think he's great for F1, but um, you can't stay in if you're not really performing. No, I think he's great for F1 as well, and. I think if he can step up with Pierre gone and maybe he'll focus a little bit more, I think maybe because they were so close and they got on so well together, maybe that kind of created an environment where it was too easy for him to slip out of focus. But I think he's got underlying talent there. So it just depends on what car they can deliver. And I think actually AlphaTauri are going to probably struggle over the next couple of years. So that might make it more difficult for him to shine. But um, yeah, the hype train has kind of lost, lost some momentum uh, this year, but I think it could uh, pile back up next year. It's going uphill on leaves at the moment. But um, yeah, it was quite interesting, actually, at that lunch with Horner. We all had a bit of discussion about different um, Red Bull-linked drivers or backed drivers. And with, with next year, with Nick De Vries going in, kind of a lot of people got the impression that probably Sonoda's likely to be the more consistent over the year, but that De Vries might have a few of those big result races that maybe mean he outscores Sonoda. That was kind of um, what generally people were kind of half predict half predicting but the real i think feeling is that yuki's gonna have to do something pretty special isn't he because red bull just don't one of the reasons i think they hired daniel um to come back in as third driver is so that they've got a really proven quantity uh, as much as it, it there's no guarantee he'll ever get into a race seat there or that he'd even be able to perform in it given the last couple of years but he is a big name that can put a bit of pressure onto the two race drivers in the main team mainly checo um because it's an actual viable alternative to put in. And the AlphaTauri guys hadn't really provided that recently. They clearly weren't going to go back to Gasly and Yuki hadn't stood out enough. So I think for the hype train to build up another head of steam, he really needs a like a massive year next year. Otherwise, it might be his last year, I reckon, depending on who's coming through as well. But that would be a real shame because I really like Yuki um, and I want him to do well. And he's got some great raw pace. He just needs to somehow find a way of producing it all the time. Uh, there's a second hype train question though, and it's the Otmar Zafnauer hype train. How do you rate? Well, I don't first... remember that one. Well, this is it. Was we... there a hype train for him? We don't have one, but this is Panny at the disco is saying the yeah. The... There's no train there. It. <laughs> uh, but how do you rate his first year at Alpine on and off the track? Uh, what do you make of his continual comments on the Piastri situation? Of course, I don't think he's bringing up the topic to reporters off his own accord. But my goodness, it's like all of the salt he accumulated from those giant bowls of crisps is just releasing itself into each new comment. <laughs> Um, which I really appreciate that way of putting things because it means someone listened to us talking about the that we'd get crisps from Otmar's half an hour media sessions on a Sunday night. That's that's a tuned in listener. Thoughts, Nate? On? Yeah, I, on... Nate, do you want to say that think, first? I think um, I don't think there's ever been an Otmar's half an hour train. I don't know. I mean, Otmar seems pretty competent at his job. You know, I think he's he was good at defending the team's kind of honor when it it looked. Pretty bad, pretty bad. It was pretty difficult to defend them, but what they, you know, not defend their honor, but they'd obviously messed things up, and it kind of wasn't really completely linked to him, as as that comment suggested. So, I mean, yeah, I think he's, I think he's good. Um, and yeah, he had to do a lot of the strolls' dirty work for a few years, so um, it kind of couldn't have been, couldn't have been easy. 
Yeah, well, I think he's done all right. I think he had a really difficult period this year, obviously, around that whole Piastri saga. Um, and I think that he's probably benefited from a team that actually was operating pretty well when he got there so that they were able to make the most out of this season. I think his big challenge will be next year and where they go and whether Alpine can keep McLaren behind them, whether they can make that step into the top three. So I'm going to wait until next year before officially commenting on whether there should or shouldn't be a, a not Mars Affanau hype train. I think there can only be a hype train if they make a big step forward next year, yeah, because he didn't really have much of an impact on this year, which was probably then unfair on him in terms of the whole driver situation and it yeah, being instigated from before his time. And then he had to be the front man to deal with that. But I don't think he always said the smartest things in and around it, especially with what then came out after the CRB. So, yeah, I'm going with um, not yet commissioned a train for this one. But, um, yeah, p- potentially, because in the cost cap era as well, efficiency is key. And he was very good at getting efficiency out of Force India and Racing Point. So um, he could be very important for them. But we just haven't seen that yet. It's not been long enough. So, um yeah, don't buy any tickets just yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, no. good. We've covered the, the key talking point of the season, which is on my staff now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. Now, on to what you really wanted to do before I rudely interrupted you, Nate. Yeah, well, I was I was about to start and then Meadows jumped in with hype trains. That's right. We've um, All that's happened is we've built anticipation, Nate. So let's go. You've only got one minute to spare. Now we made it through the whole year. Sit back, relax, cause we got you. Here's Nate with a special Christmas review. Okay, this is a little poem by Nate Saunders, 33 years old. Max, champion elect. Ferrari, which strategy will they select? Alonso got himself that Aston money. Magnussen took pole when it was not sunny. Ricardo arrived in Austin on a horse. Mercedes' car was not always par for the course. Perez was not let through by Max because of his crash in Monaco, where you pay no tax. Rhyming couplets are tough, and watching Latifi was rough. Norris did his thing all year. Gasly and Ocon teammates next year. No no fear. <laughs> Vettel is gone, and the planet might soon be gone too. I couldn't rhyme that one. Seb loves a litter pick, and now maybe he can spend more time with Mick. Nate's old friend Hulk is back, and enthusiasm for that F1 seemed to lack. This was a poem, a review, to which you're now thinking, it's finished. Few, but it's not. I tried to write, write about all the drivers, but English is complicated, and F1's engines are too. I'm out of ideas. Please do not repeat Russell's tears from his win in Brazil, which demonstra- demonstrated heaps of skill. My poetry skills here have been laid bare, and Stroll was also there. <laughs> <laughs> that was absolutely sensational, Nate. Yeah. That was your finest work. There you go. I mean, yeah, it, you know, once you start <laughs> in that rhyming structure, you have to stick to it. But yeah, um, so I might not be on this pod next year, guys, because I might actually become the poet laureate for um, whatever country wants me. <laughs> um, if that's how the poet laureate works, I don't actually know how that works. I need to, that. I need, I need to do my research before I apply. Uh, I don't know. If, yeah. Anyway. Well, that anyway, was an inc- Merry Christmas, everyone. That was an incredible way, I think, to end this podcast and indeed this season are with Nate Giglin what a way to end Um, thanks very much for your time as ever I hope you have wonderful Christmases and to those who are listening as well please remember to follow us on our social channels at the Pad Hop you can read Nate's work on ESPN.com Medes' work on Race.com and my work on F1.com and we'll do this again next year Merry Christmas Bye
Podcast Network.